Good day, good evening, good night. Welcome everyone to the first ever Green Beige podcast. In case you don't know us, my name is Ken. A lot of people call me Griff. That is AJ. And we are the green. He's the green. I'm the beige of the Green Beige podcast. So before we get into anything, I think we should let everybody know a little bit about ourselves, you know, who we support. As you can see, we both have our, our jerseys on, but I'll let AJ go first. AJ, tell the people about yourself. And of course you would do that. Of course you would do that. Well, I am a proud, proud Patriot supporter. I have no shame in saying that. I'm a proud Patriot supporter since, can't tell you the year. Can't tell you the year. It's, 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 it's been over a decade now, but I'm a proud Patriot supporter. I've uh, been with this team through, through thick and thin the losses to some un unheard of teams but you know um yeah we'll we'll discuss that later on in, in the episode in in this uh, this or later episodes ken yeah it's, it's it's interesting that you say you're a patriot supporter and you've been with them for more than a decade and through thick and thin and if memory serves me correct you know thin probably was before the what 2003 season before that first super bowl Finn, yeah. Finn is losing to the Giants. Finn is losing to the Giants. Yeah, but twice. That, yeah, but that twice you also got to the Super Bowl. But anyhow, we'll get back to that <laughs> on a later date. No, yeah. As I said, my name is Ken. A lot of people call me Ken because it's short and easy. Others call me Griff, but it's your choice what you choose to call me. Um, I have been a Saints fan since 2006. And... Just to cut a long story short, 2006, everybody knows about Hurricane Katrina. They know about everything that happened and how bad New Orleans had it. The same time, Sean Payton comes to New Orleans, Drew Brees comes to New Orleans, and while they have not had many of the um, Aints seasons in my fandom, I've never been one where I thought I had to put a pair of bag over my head put two eyes out in it so people didn't know I was a Saints fan we have had some up and down years as well but that is my squad so yeah now we're not only going to talk NFL on this pod we're also going to talk about some basketball we'll talk about some soccer or regular football you know the one that they play more with their foot than with their hand but for tonight's episode we are sticking to the NFL now this season has been one unlike any other. There have been lots of things that you will find in every NFL season, but there are lots of things that, because of COVID, we would not normally find happening. Um, this year, we had situations where, like the Raiders, they lost their entire O-line. The Broncos, they lost all of their quarterbacks. The Saints had to play this week without any of their regular running backs. And all of that was because of COVID. We had teams whose schedules got affected, like the Patriots, sorry, not the Patriots. Um, the Steelers, they had to get their schedule adjusted multiple times because of COVID. You had the Titans who couldn't stop catching COVID, likewise the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> and, and the Ravens too, don't be unfair to the Ravens, the Ravens do. Yeah, and the Ravens, of course, Ravens. because the Ravens caught COVID so much that a game that was supposed to play on Thanksgiving played the next Wednesday. That's correct. And, <laughs> and this was the first season in NFL history 
where every single day of the week there was a game because we had what was supposed to be Sunday afternoon games playing Monday at 3 p.m. We had games that were supposed to play on Mondays playing on Tuesday. We just mentioned that, you know, the Ravens had to play on a Wednesday. But Christmas like twice or something like that, right? Exactly. Some madness like that. You had the Saints who played on Christmas, which was a Friday. So we had football all week this season. And this was a brand new experience for all of us. But one thing that we have to admit is that the season still could be considered a success because 256 games were on the schedule, 256 games were played. There were zero postponements or cancellations. Games got shifted from this week to that week. You had games being moved around. You even had a situation in California where the Rams... Sorry, not the Rams. The 49ers. They were scheduled to play the rest of their home slate. And then the county decides, oh, wait, we're not having any contact sports happening in here, basically for the rest of the year. Kudos to the NFL because they already had a plan in place. They checked the schedules and, the and it showed that the San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals, their schedules lined up so perfectly that neither of them were going to play a home game for the rest of the season. So then they made the necessary adjustments and the Cardinals and the 49ers then shared a stadium for the rest of the year. So that is just a quick synopsis of what happened over this season. But we had a lot happen this week. Week 17 was oh, yeah. not without, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was not oh, yeah. incident. <laughs> So, of course, I will start with the team that is near and dear to my heart, the Saints. And as I mentioned, the Saints came into this week with no running backs. Alvin Kamara, just off the back of scoring six touchdowns and equaling the running back record for the most touchdowns in a single game, he got diagnosed with COVID. I think the news broke on either Thursday late or Friday very early. But when the news broke, it said that he had one positive test. They were waiting for the second. Then the second test came back and showed, oh, wait, yes, Kamara has COVID. With Kamara having COVID, that then meant that the entire running back room also now would be deemed to be close contacts of someone who has COVID, and they're all now out for this game. Good thing for us was that we had Ty Montgomery, who, if you remember, used to play for the Packers. He had he was the one who went rogue in that playoff game when they kicked the ball off to him. And instead of him taking the knee as they told him to do, he decided to run it out, fumble the ball, and the Packers. Tight, tight. Tight, tight. Yep. And he got cut. But he's on my squad now. And we hadn't used him for the majority of the season. And he was actually listed as a wide receiver. Great for us because with no running backs and he has running back experience, we moved him over to running back and he was then able to be our ball carrier for this game. And the Saints went to Carolina and we beat the Panthers. We beat the Panthers pretty badly, to be honest. And for that reason, then we went into second place. Well, we maintained our second position in the seeding for the playoffs. 
AJ, do you have anything that you'd like to add about this game between the Saints and the Panthers? Um, okay, so it, I, I, a lot of the headlines were that the Saints were going to be without the running back, basically they're, they're running back um, um, committee core team, whatever you want. Well, it's not a committee, but you know what I mean, right? Mm -hmm. Running back section. Running back room was out. Room, correct. Um, and I, I think that, that, that did capture a lot of the headlines because of the previous game that Alvin Kamara had with a record breaking six touchdowns and whatnot. But at, at, at the same time, and this is, I'm not using this as an excuse, but let's be honest, like the Panthers were without their running backs as well, but it wasn't publicized as much. We, we understand what happened to Christian McCaffrey during the entire season. Mike Davis has had some injury problems and apparently he was, he had some, some injury designation going into week 17 as right as well, right? So to be honest, the, uh, the Carolina Panthers did not have a running back as well. <laughs> if I, I think the leading the, who was the leading rusher in the game? I, I I could check this, but the leading rusher had four rushes. I think it was I can't remember the name. Curtis Samuel, the wide receiver, was tied on the second most. I think with Bridgewater, they both had three rushes. So that's to show you that they they had no intention of running the ball that night as well. But all of that being said, Carolina was never going to win this game. Based on the season they had, based on, I, I don't care how many running backs y'all were missing. I don't care if Drew Brees was missing. The Saints was never, were never going to lose this game. It, it, it was just written in the cards. And, and especially with your defense, I don't feel like Carolina ever had a serious chance to win. And especially playing, well, more so playing against that defense with nothing to play for. When they start the game, and especially having like having to come up against a team, you know, and I, I, I didn't watch your game particularly, right? I remember specifically highlights, and I remember Marshall Lattimore got a pick, right? Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah, I can't remember against who, but I mean, just li like little things, like little things like that, right? Little things like that, like you're playing against a defense that's in form, arguably like the best defense in in terms of form in the league. You're missing some of your players. You have nothing to play for. When things don't start going away, I feel like division rival or not, it, it sort of demoralizes you. So I'm not surprised at the scoreline and I added to that, Drew Bezos back. And for a couple of weeks, so I feel like he got his rhythm um, the week before and he was able to, you know, get into a little stride in this week. I, I'm not surprised by the scoreline. It is... This was a nothing game for you, Ken. Honestly, this was a nothing game. It was a nothing game. <laughs> well, the thing is, honestly, I will not say that I was as confident as you were going into this game for the Saints. Because a lot has been made of Drew Brees' injury problems this season. And the fact still remained that we had a lot to play for this week. So to go into the game with no running backs was a bit of a problem. It was a bit of a challenge. And especially, it was not to say like if Kamara tested positive for COVID on Tuesday, he tested positive for COVID at the end of the week. They would have completed all of their practices this week. And then Saturday usually is just a walkthrough day. So when you are coming for your last practice of the week, then you realize, oh wait, we will not have any of these guys for this weekend. So the fact still remains, it was a divisional game. 
And yes, the Panthers has not had the season that they were hoping for, but there's still a division rival and no division rival wants to be swept by, even if it is the division champs, you don't want to lose twice because you come into the season <laughs> looking to win your division games. So yes. from that perspective, I expected them to play as hard. I still was hoping for the win and we did get the win. But I didn't see it as a foregone conclusion when the game started. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, I understand that. But uh, like, come on, stop, stop the modesty. Cut it out. Cut it out. <laughs> Cut it out. Cut it out. We talking about Teddy Bridgewater, who been who's been average at best for the entire season. Teddy Bridgewater had about two games that we could that we could call out, and I'm not going to even try to nail it off the top of my head because that's a waste of our time. Teddy Bridgewater, Bridge, Bridgewater had about two games that could be considered like very good games. Two games at most, possibly. And he was so bad in this game that they brought in the it, it's a CFL or what, 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 where they pull this guy from? PJ yeah, Walker CFL. or whatever? Yeah, right, there we go. There we go. I mean, obviously, we didn't know this was going to happen before the game, right? But I'm saying the Potters are in a bad way. They're in a bad way. And, and this is no discredit necessarily to Matt Rule specifically. Um, you know, on, on the team, but especially the injury to, to, to C-Mac, the injury to, to Mike Davis. Like I said, they had no running back either. They had no running back either. I'm, sorry, so I'm checking in here. The next, next the, the top rusher was Rod Smith. If you remember him from Dallas, he was like second or third a couple of years back. Yeah, he was third behind right. and Pollard. And Pollard, correct. There we go, Rod Smith. 10 rushes for 40 yards. That's cool. That's cool. Four yards but, to carry, but but, but <laughs> which is which is decent, which is decent. Mm-hmm. But still, Ross Smith was never an, an RB one; he was barely even an RB two. And then who, who the hell is Tommy Stevens? <laughs> you know, you know. So so the fact of the matter is, they were forced to throw the ball. And one thing that the the, the Saints have been good at is the, your corners and safety have been locking everything down, right? So I. At the end of the day, I'm like I'm not surprised with the result. In in the beginning, y'all were still favorite to win the game, and at the end, I'm not surprised with how it turned out. That's the honest truth. It's, I understand. Don't don't be modest. You you always had this game to win, and you did what you had to do. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, like Rod Smith, Bridgewater, Samuel, the four rushes in that game for the Panthers. You, you can't win a ball through when you force Teddy Bridgewater to throw the ball that many times. And it was shown because after what, about two two INTs, they brought in um, CFL, CFL specialist. I mean, come on. All right. That, yeah, let's I, stop it. Yeah, okay. yeah, let, yeah, let's move on. So the Saints <laughs> did what they had to do. We needed to win this game to give ourselves any chance of hopefully pipping the Packers for that number one spot. I mean, it that game that the Saints played against the Packers early in the season, obviously that would have been a toss-up. The Saints lost that game. And then from there, they, were, they would have always been playing catch-up to the Packers because they would either need to have the best record in the NFC or we would have needed a three-way tie with the Seahawks, who we'll talk about next. But... Rodgers, Devontae Adams, they went to Soldier Field 
and completely dismantled the Bears. The Bears got beaten every which way up and down the field. And it, for me, who was watching that game and hoping beyond hope that maybe Trubisky could have found something to help me out. There was no salvation coming for us because Rodgers has done enough as far as I'm concerned to earn himself another MVP trophy. And there was no way that the Packers were going to lose this game to the Bears. I can't say I disagree there either because I had no faith in the Bears to come and do this, to come and get this win. And this, wait, where was this game? Was this game at Lambo? No, was it? it was at Soldier. Was it, it was Soldier, right, yeah, okay. In Chicago. Um, still, based on how the season had gone, I admit, I, I feel like Mitch Trubisky has picked up since he has reclaimed the starting spot, right? I feel like he's been at, at least serviceable and he's done his job. But Aaron Rodgers has been incredible. Like you said, MVP caliber, he's, I, I feel like he's a front runner to win. Well, as I feel like that, that's a, another conversation now after what happened with Derrick Henry yesterday, but we'll, we'll <laughs> get into that a bit later. Um, but Aaron Rodgers has been in MVP form, right? And, uh, you know, and, and you know this because I talked to you during the year, but I, I had Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones in a fantasy league. So it, to, to be quite honest, I, I, I was really expecting and hoping that the Packers would win. Expecting mainly, though, um, I, I, as as much as I I have to admit, I think I think the the bear, the strength of the Bears defense for me was always their front four with um, Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, and Khalil Mack, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to their corners, I have no faith. I shouldn't say no faith. I have less faith in their corners to hold someone like Devontae Adams, who to me, and, and, and let me get this out early, Devontae Adams is my favorite receiver in this league, right? Mm. I think his footwork and road running are exceptional. And there was a point in time, I have a friend who was a Packers fan, and we, I was watching a game and messaging him at the same time, and I was saying, there was, I think, a fourth and two that the Packers went on, and I looked at the TV and I was, I was essentially talking to the Bears defense. I was like, this ball is going to Devontae, and y'all can't stop it. And you know what happened? <laughs> they, they, um, they, they drew a, a DPI on that call. Mm -hmm. Whoever it is that was on Devante, it was a, it was a corner rope, and he ended up drawing the, the um, DPI, right? And I was like, you see that? It, it just shows how much confidence that Aaron Rodgers has in Devante, and, and, and how, how, yeah, just how confident he is in Devante and on how well he, is, he has been playing. Mind you, Valdez Scanding had... Remember that he had a, a long run for a touchdown, but he still dropped something as is his nature. But <laughs> but <laughs> but generally, I, I just I just had faith in Aaron Rodgers to, to to essentially keep the faith in his receiving core and and get the job done. And Aaron Jones as well. I feel like last year, in certain cases, he had like a a, a couple instances of the yips where the man just couldn't catch a ball. He just you know, was dropping easy balls and whatnot. But this year was a different case. And again, I just didn't have faith in the Bears. And, and mind you, I'm also a very big fan of Allen Robinson. And I, th I think he's an underrated receiver. He's not top five, maybe not even top 10. But I think mm -hmm. Allen Robinson is a, a very good receiver, right? But I still don't think that 
with Trubisky and the pressure that the Bears were under and the way that the, the Packers were playing, that they could have got a job done even at home. Understood. So the Packers won. They secured the number one seed in the NFC. But we were still hoping that we in Nola land were still hoping that the Seahawks would have at least been able to take care of business against the Rams. And for a while, it did not look like if they were going to do it. The Seahawks were struggling in that game almost all the way through. Only then to pull it out in the last, well, the last couple of plays on offense. Your thoughts about the Seahawks? It's funny because the same friend I just told you about, that was one of my boys I was talking to during his game, the Packers game. I was messaging him, messaging him about this game as well. And I was telling him, you know, I can't, I can't believe that this is what the Seahawks going to do to Russell Wilson. Like, that, that after everything, that this is how he's going to lose this game. Like, they have no reason to be losing to the 49ers. Yes, it's the 49ers. My, my right. That yeah, oh yeah, it was the Niners, yeah. Mm-hmm. That they have no reason to be losing to the Niners, right? Because they were down like 16-3 or some some mess like that. I can't remember the exact score. But it was it was something deplorable. I'm like, well, you, you mean nobody going and and again I, I'll refer to my fantasy. I have became Metcalf in my team. So I was looking, obviously looking at the number of catches this man got all night, right? Or not um, getting or not or not getting, rather, thank you. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know what to say about this because I actually didn't watch too much of this. But when I saw when I saw the final score, I wasn't too surprised that they came back. I wasn't too surprised that they came out because of Russ. But at the same time, I, I, I still was like, I, okay, I was slightly shocked that the Forty ers gave up this lead, although I shouldn't be because we saw this last year. In, in the Super Bowl, you know, but I, <laughs> I, 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 it it goes back to the same thing I was saying about the first game we were talking about with the with Saints and Panthers. I feel like when you have nothing to play for and then things start going against you, it demoralizes you a bit, right? So even if you're up, but then you might make a mistake and then the other team score gets itself on the board, it, it puts some points up and and then you start trying to do more and then it seems like you. You're in the, the, the quicksand, the whole quicksand. But you know, when you, the mm-hmm. more you do, the more you struggle to get out, the more you end up sinking. Mm-hmm. I feel like that happens in games. And I feel like that could have happened with the 49ers. Like I said, I didn't watch the game, so I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> in week 17, to have a lead like that, again, division rival, and you blew the lead, especially when you could have kept this team from being in a better position going into the postseason. I feel like it could have been that. And and even, like, I can't say that they, they rest anyone because George Kittle played. Mm-hmm. After sitting the majority of the season, George Kittle was in this game, you know? So, I mean, it was C.J. Beathard, so he could probably take that into consideration as well. But I I, I feel it was, it was, it was like a, 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 a yeah, it was a, a downward spiral sort of thing. Understood. And then the last game of merit, last game of note on this day for the NFC, it was the battle of the backups, where you had 
two backup quarterbacks in the game, one for the LA Rams and the other for the Arizona Cardinals, who started Cullen Murray, but who came into the game with a lower leg injury and then picked up a further injury in the game and left for a very long period. By that time, when he does come back, it is too late. And the Cardinals, who needed to win to knock the Bears out of the playoffs, lost the game to the Rams. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Cardinals. Um, the Rams haven't. The Rams haven't been as good to me as their Super Bowl year, but I feel like during the season they've sort of figured things out and they've started to play a little better. Now you and I have had this discussion off air. About about um, Jared Goff, right? And I feel like we kind of both agree that Jared Goff is he's not going to be the difference between making a a, a, a the playoffs and and winning a Super Bowl. But I, to me, at least he was serviceable, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> what well, that sounds very condescending. What's that? What's happening? <laughs> no, it's, it, it is that for me, Jared Goff, as you said, is serviceable. He, if you give him ideal conditions, he can make some plays. However, as we have seen throughout this year and throughout many years, defenses are designed to not give you ideal conditions. And when Jared Goff is under duress, he does nonsense. When I, I, I agree, I agree, yeah, right. And and when you can when you can disrupt the timing on the ropes, when you can you can make sure that how the play is designed, it does not run to time, or you know you force men to have to do things differently, then you can get him. He does not give you that level of production. That is, he, he, or he is not an elite quarterback. To me, I do not even think he's very good. He's good. He's good. But he's not great. And sometimes when you need a quarterback then that can elevate your team from good to great, he's not that good. While I, while I get that, while I get that, the, what I was trying to get at, while I was saying that, because I know he didn't play this game, right? But what I was trying to get at is that I feel like this game would have been a and and well, yeah, because Kyler Kyler got injured. It was like the first or second drive or something like that. First drive, first drive, right? There we go. And then after that, even with with um, what was it the backup's name? Straveler. I can't I, help you. Who's this guy? Never heard of him in my life. <laughs> Cannot Yo. help you. The only thing I know about him is that he threw the pick six that was on all the highlight packages last night. Okay, today. okay. I have no idea who they could. I mean, because his numbers here don't look too bad. 11 of 16, 105 yards, one passing touchdown, one interception, two sacks. I mean, it's not terrible, but still, I've never heard of this guy. But still, I was saying this about Goff to say that I, as much as I know you have like a little... You know, you, you don't rate Goff that highly. I think I rate him a bit high, more highly than you. 
But I feel like the Rams would have had this game easily if golf was playing. I mean, I mean and, it's, and it's no disrespect to Wolford or whatever. <laughs> it's no disrespect to Wolford, but I, I, I only saw highlights of this, but I feel like the protection that Wolford got was enough to spread the ball around. This is from the clips that I saw, and then I'm looking at the, at the, the, uh, the stats here as well. And it seems, it seems like he was able to do a decent job. And this is one thing that Goff is good at, right? So, I mean, in the end, I, I think that it kind of shows that the Rams system, especially the defense, because they held them to what? It, it was seven points? Seven points? Mm-hmm. Seven points. Mind you, let's be honest, if Kyler Murray were playing, it would have been more than that. If Kyler was playing, he, he would have he he had at least another touchdown, even if was, he rushed for it himself or thrown for it. Like, because D-Hop was out of the game too after he left, but that's another, that's another discussion as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, yeah, I do feel like I, I still I still did have them to win. I, as as much as I do rate Kyler Murray as a quarterback, for them to be in this position and have this game as the last game of the season against that Rams defense against, and <laughs> you know it'd be re- it would be remiss of me to not mention Aaron Donald while talking about the Rams, right? Mm-hmm. But to come up against <laughs> to come up against that defense. It was it was never going to be easy, and I I would never have picked them to win. So, I'm I'm not surprised, and I I feel like the Ram system is good enough. I feel like it would have been a bigger margin if Jared Goff was in. I know you might you might feel different, but still, Goff is Goff Goff is doing God doing. He's doing God doing. You know what I mean? Okay, no problem. <laughs> so now let's shift our attentions over to the AFC, and right now, well. I think it's fair to say that we can throw week 17 out completely for the Kansas City Chiefs because they didn't play pretty much anybody. So the Chiefs, they played the game, they lost the game, we can move on. Mm. But the hottest team right now in the AFC is the Buffalo Bills. And Josh Allen is trying to make me a believer trying he's trying to make me a believer but what he is doing cannot be denied he is playing quarterback at a very high level he is still using his legs but he is sitting back in the pocket and the addition of stefan diggs has done wonders for the bills this season and if i remember correctly the bills were your preseason pick to win your division because you didn't expect that much from your Patriots, who we'll talk about at another time. But I didn't have them picked to win the division. But when you look at their final record, it cannot be denied that the Bills right now are a fantastic football team. Yeah, and you just said it. I mean, I, I saw the writings on the wall, even from last year. They made they were one and done in the playoffs, right? I can't yes. remember who, who, who was it they faced in the I do not remember who they played last year. I can't even remember myself, but anyhow, they were one and done. And Josh Allen didn't perform well in that game, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. He was kind of like out of sorty. But the thing is, I saw the writings on the wall, and yeah, I, like you said, I, I predicted them because I felt like they were always trending upward. And in our case, with Tom, 
with Tom leaving, with TB leaving, about Tom is part of a system. Listen, Tom Brady was our system. I'm, I'm, let me look into the camera. Tom Brady was the Patriot system. There we, but that's another discussion as well. Um, the fact is to make, to make a switch like that after so long, I always thought that we were going to be on the back foot when it comes to this division, right? Mm -hmm. I thought we would have been able to at least get a, a wildcard spot after we got Cam. Mm-hmm. But but to no avail. But to, to the bigger the bigger topic at hand, I always had the Bills to win this division. And even I am surprised at the level that Josh Allen played at this year. Listen, I was a fan of Josh Allen com coming out of college, especially because of the criticism he received, because of his accuracy and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I always felt like, you know what? I feel like it was a bit too harsh. Even in the first two years, he was he showed that you know the the inconsistency was it was still he wasn't consistent with the um, accuracy and whatnot. But the bills were still trending upward, and adding Stefan Diggs and Amar Diggs ended up with the most. It was the most receiving yards this year for. Mm -hmm. even though, yeah, right. Most even though it wasn't the most touchdowns, but the most receiving yards. Like, bro, the man could not be stopped. And the thing is. It wasn't even as as much as it was Diggs. He still got other receivers like um, it was Gabriel Davis, um, Dawson Knox had a better year. Mm -hmm. um, Cole Beasley had a fantastic year this year. Cole Beasley, Cole Beasley, that's the name of right. Cole Beasley, to the point where <laughs> do, do we even do we even remember who Devin Singletary and and, and Zach Moss are? <laughs> Only if you had them in fantasy. <laughs> you will remember who they are because it seemed like it, both um, both Josh Allen and his coach forgot who they were because they just weren't running the ball. <laughs> exactly. And I'm I'm sure they both ended up on a waiver wire. My point is, I mean, Josh Allen was was like as you said, he was he was running the ball so effectively that I, I feel like they didn't even need to utilize these guys. And I'm I, I'm not surprised. You said it before. I'm not surprised. They won a division, and I feel like they have been trending upwards. And I, and I know it seems like most of the pundits, per se, the, the big guys, have them as the main threat to the Chiefs in the postseason. And I'm, I'm, I personally, I'm still kind of wary of of that receiving core because I, I feel like if you, if you're able to neutralize Stefan Diggs. I, I just don't trust the others that much. Mm -hmm. And the running game is not as good. As you just mentioned, like, Singletary and Moss have been marginalized to the point where they're like, they just, they had average to 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 be, to be subpar seasons. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm still kind of wary, but I don't know. I, 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 I'm just not surprised at, at, at the progress that they made this season. Understood. All right, so I guess we could just we could just kind of gloss this one over. Baltimore, they needed to win to get into the playoffs. They were playing against the Bengals, who lost their starting quarterback very early in the season. The Bengals had no chance. The Ravens ran for over 200 yards. Nothing more really to add. Baltimore is in. UK Thomas is, is really good. All right, that's all I'll say. <sighs> J.K. Dobbins, I had him on my bench in fantasy, only then to see him put up 42 <laughs> points. I mean, 
in the end, it worked out just okay because they still won. But right, right, yeah. But forty-two points on your bench is, is not good. To, it's not fun to see. But yes, he is very good. He was being touted as being the future of that backfield heading into next season, and based on his showing as he's gone from strength to strength over the year, he will be a force to really watch and reckon with come 2021, 22. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. So then, um, well, we have two games that I figured that we could have, we really could have left for last. We have two teams who had to win to get in, two teams that had nothing to play for but pride. And both of them approached these games completely different. I'm talking about the Houston Texans who hosted the Tennessee Titans and then the Washington football team who went to Lincoln Financial Field to play against the Eagles. Now, for those who may not have seen or may not have been paying attention, both Houston and Philadelphia were out of contention for the playoffs. Houston played Tennessee really close. They ran them really hard all the way down to the fact that they had to kick a game-winning field goal. Came down to a field goal, yeah. After going the length of the field with less than 20 seconds on the clock. Then we have what happened with the Eagles and the football team because the Giants won earlier in the day. So if the Eagles win, then the Giants win the division at 6-10. and 10. Or... If the football team wins the wins the game, then they win the division at seven and nine. And what happens in the fourth quarter at Lincoln Financial Field? Doug Peterson decides, I'm going to pull my starting quarterback. I don't dress the guy that was the starter for the majority of the season. So he's there in street clothes. He's he's putting up just as much stats as I am on my coach. And then you have the backup who nobody knows, who nobody has seen, and nobody is even aware of his existence, really, except for his name on the depth chart. He gets inserted. Doug Peterson, after the game, says that this guy has been on his roster for the last two or three years, and they just he's want four. To... He's at four. Four Gosh, years, he's okay. At four. Four years. All right, so he's been there for the last four years, and he wanted to see what he could do in this situation. Okay. I guess for those who don't really pay attention, that might fly. However, you had this man on your roster for the last four years. This was, the, this was like his first game action in forever. When... You had Carson Wentz breaking down. You put in Nick Foles. You mm -hmm. won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Carson Wentz broke down again. You put back in Nick Foles. Carson Wentz can't be trusted to not break down. You draft Jalen Hurts. If you trusted this guy, if you thought this guy had anything, he would have been in there before now. But I am not here to call anybody a cheat or cast aspersions anyway. All I will say is that 
what you're saying and what we saw and the performance of this guy, when you saw him going and wasn't performing in a close game, it wasn't to say the case the football team were blowing them out. When he came in, it was a three, it was a three it was a, yeah. point game. The game yeah. was still yeah. there to be won. And, and, and this was after he decided to go for it on a fourth instead of taking the field, going for the, the field and tying up the game. And tying up the game. So there are lots of questions that can be asked of you, Mr. Peterson. And none of the answers that you're giving us at this point make any sense. But anyhow, the football team won. The Eagles were already eliminated. And by allowing the football team to win, so were the Giants. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, I don't give a damn about the Giants. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't feel sorry for the Giants. You know what? Win games and make the playoffs. Win games and make the postseason, right? I don't care about the Giants. I don't feel like the Eagles owe the Giants anything. I don't care about that. Nothing. That's that. That's first off. They don't owe the Giants anything. The that's Giants, fair. Giants fans could be better as long as much as they want. But our guy Logan Ryan said it the best. If you check his tweet, he said, "You know, we're not in a position to be complaining about that. We should have won more games." Yep. Good. Correct. And that's that, right? So I don't mind whoever else was the other. Whoever else, I, I can't remember that was arguing about Golden Tate and them boys. It's whatever. Win more mm -hmm. games. Yeah, that's first of all. And this is not even just born out, out of Giants' head. Secondly, though, I think it's egregious, right? I do agree that that what happened it looks terrible, not just for that game but for for football generally. Mm -hmm. But I, I was seeing a lot of stuff suggesting that that decision was over Dougie P's head. Hmm. That he was basically <laughs> he was basically just carrying out the instructions of his bosses mm -hmm. to, to play Sudfella and what. And and I I would like to believe that, but at the same time, I do not rate Dougie P as a coach. And I've told you this already. I don't think he's a very good coach. I don't think he has um he's a very good in terms of locker room manager, I don't think he he gets the truth under control. I feel like he he excelled when he had a very good roster that uh, of motivated and, and and experienced guys that that could have worked together, right? Then he had a quarterback that I think still had and especially then had a lot of potential. He brought them to the cusp, and then the system was so well that the, the backup was able to come in and and do his job. I do not. I do not rate Dougie P at all. He should be out of a job, right? <laughs> he should, he's he's the epitome of white privilege in the NFL. But you know what? We'll talk about that afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I I I do think that that what happened, whether it was a decision made by the management, the as in the ownership, sorry, or Dougie P, it was. It, it looked very bad. It looked very bad. Because, like you said, they were still in a position to win this game. And Washington's defense, they had to catch themselves in the second half. But at the same time, it's not like Jalen Hooks was, was having a poor game. He wasn't the best. He wasn't, he wasn't his best that we've seen in, in the previous games. But come on, the man had two touchdowns, two, two um, rushing touchdowns in that game. And he... Is because of him that they were still in the game. Like, why would you pull him? It, 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 if, if you, 
my issue is the fact that he came out to the media afterwards and said, "But yeah, this is all my decision." And I'm like, you know what? I I can't I can't deal with the lies. I hate the lies. I just can't deal with the lies. At least at least come out and say, "Well, you know what? We we decided that we wanted to we like." If are you if if you're okay with this, it still means that you don't deserve to be a head coach. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Don't come on and lie and uh, about um um. This was my decision only, and come on, Doug, come on, <laughs> really? It, it it made absolutely no sense to me. Well, it didn't make a lot of sense to me either. But he figured that that's a lie. He had to tell. He came out and said that you know this was all my decision. Right. So we've we've talked a lot already. I know. Let's wrap this up by looking ahead to this week's action. I think it's important that we should let everybody know when this is being recorded. It is Monday evening, 7.23 p.m. on the mountaintop, 9.23 p.m. <laughs> Eastern. So when you see this on Wednesday or anytime after that, anything that happens on Tuesday that we don't talk about or on Wednesday that we don't talk about, don't kill us. We don't have early edition. The papers haven't come out yet to show us what's happening two days from now. Yeah, so it's, it's a Monday recording. Yes, it's a Monday <laughs> recording. So on Saturday, we have three games. And on Sunday, we have three games as well. This is another first for the NFL since this year, they decided to expand the playoff from 12 teams to 14 teams. As we already mentioned, the first over the winner, or so they say, the team with the best record in the AFC and the NFC, those are the teams that gets the first buy, the first week buy in the playoffs. So they don't play on World Care Weekend. And then teams two through seven are the ones that then match up on World Care Weekend. So on Saturday, we have the Colts versus the Bills up first. Then the Rams and the Seahawks, they run it back again. They go up just one, seven days later or six days later. Mm -hmm. And then we have the Buccaneers, they go to Washington. No, of these three games, which game intrigues you the most? You said it was a say, say that over again because I was trying to, to, to look it up. So we have the Colts. The Colts go to the Bills. We have the Rams versus the Seahawks. And then the Bucks, they travel to Washington. Colts Bills, to be honest. Colts Bills, because I feel like the Colts defense is actually still really good. <laughs> and I mean, I'm not they're not perfect, but they have been good. But the Bills are the team that, like, like I like I mentioned, alluded to earlier, like the Bills are, have been one and done. And last year, when they were getting better, they were one and done. And the Colts with adding Philip Rivers and then Rivers actually trying like joining this team because he was trying to, you know, make a, a final push before he would retire. And I, I'm, I mean, I was surprised that he made that comment about, you know, this could be my final game. And I, I feel like it's, it sounds like he was giving up, but mm -hmm. at the same time, that is the game that interests me the most because I want to see if the Bills could get over that hurdle. But at the same time, you have Philip Rivers and the Colts who, since Andrew Luck's surprise retirement, have, have been trying to like keep everything in place to see what they could do. So 
to be honest, that that is it for me. That 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 is the game for me and itself. Well, to me, the course in the Bills does have the most intrigue from offense versus defense standpoint because the Colts, as you said, do have one of the top defenses in the league. The Bills are the number two seed for a reason. But the other game that has my attention, just because I don't have a clue how it's going to go, these two teams have been Jekyll and Hyde pretty much all year round, are the Rams versus the Seahawks. Like, Nobody cares about the Bucs and, and, and the Washington football team. Everybody yeah. expects that the yeah, Bucs yeah, are going to walk in yeah. there and stomp them. So that, <laughs> that, that doesn't necessarily need much ventilation. But the Rams versus the Seahawks, two division rivals. They've already played each other twice this season. I think they split the season series. And now the Seahawks are at home. The Rams are coming to, well, where the 12 would be if we could have fans in the stands. I'm interested to see which team for both of them turns up. The Rams' defense, as you mentioned earlier, is always strong, is always stoked. Aaron Donald is a monster on the inside. And Jalen Ramsey basically takes away your number one option by himself on the outside. So it's going to be interesting to see how Russell Wilson handles the pressure from the Rams' defense and how the Rams' offense is then also going to perform because, well, at this point, we don't quite know if Jared Goff is going to be back after having his thumb yeah. operated on after it got dislocated. And if he is not good, like, who's throwing the ball? Who's running the ball? The Rams' offense still has a lot of question marks about it as well. So, so you don't believe in the Rams um, running back committee? Who runs the ball? Like, we had Cam Akers for a while. He was doing really good. And then all of a sudden, he, well, sorry, he came in after Daryl Henderson was doing really good for a while. And then all of a sudden, he was out. Malcolm Brown is Malcolm only Brown, being, yeah. He's only being used in like short yardage situations. He's not being used consistently, so... Who do we then put our fifth in in that Rams backfield? Can they then stop the likes of um, Chris Carson running the ball? Because you, Aaron Donald, yes, he is a monster, but you can double team him and push him out the way, and then run the ball the other direction. You know, you still have to consider Russell Wilson and his bootlegs. And when he might just decide because nobody's open down the field that he's going to take off and run. So I'm very curious as to see how these two teams are going to match up because familiarity breeds contempt and they're very familiar with each other. So I'm very curious to see how that one is going to go. So then that's Saturday. Sunday, we have the Baltimore Ravens. They're going over to Tennessee to face the Titans and Derrick Henry, who just ran for 250 yards, was it, in this game yeah, against somewhere, somewhere thereabouts, yeah. He, he was 226 yards off of rushing for 2,000 yards, and he, and he eclipsed the 2,000-yard mark. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Then the second game of the day, Chicago Bears, they – come to New Orleans to face the Saints. And then the nightcap 
is they're running it back again, another repeat game. The Browns go to Pittsburgh after having just beat Pittsburgh to get into the playoffs. Now they go to face Big Ben, who was absent, to see if they can knock them off and advance. Now, which of these games has your interest? The last one. The last one. Because I, for me, like coming up, coming off of that win against Pittsburgh for the Browns, getting back into the playoffs, they 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 have the, the momentum going right now. Um, I know Big Ben didn't play in the last game, but still, I feel like the what the Browns have going now, they can carry into the postseason, postseason, and that's what I'm interested in seeing. And <laughs> I know you're not a fan of Baker, you know, I know you're not a fan of Baker, but you know, you know, I try to advocate for my boy. <laughs> as much as I can, Baker is Baker has been doing. He, he's been. I feel under Stefanski, under Stefanski, he's found his role, and Stefanski has identified his role, right? Like you don't need you don't need to be all game winner. We have Nick Chubb, we have Kareem Hunt. We could we could win this game in a myriad of ways. You just need you to manage the ball and do what you can do. And I think doing that, Baker has found his niche market. He, he, he said. Okay, um, right now, we I think we've kind of lost you there, AJ. Um, it's gone all this is the frozen game, this is on me. Um, so can you repeat that last part that you were saying? Because you just stuck for a little bit. Um, which part? From... No, just the last part, the, last, the last, very last thing you were saying. Oh, I was, yeah, I was just saying that, that, my main interest is in seeing Baker. I, I feel like um, Pittsburgh are trending downward and Cleveland is trending upward. And even with Big, Big Ben coming back into the lineup, even after his rest and all that, I, I feel like their offense hasn't been that good. And they've been, like I said, they've been trending downwards. James Conner had a decent game in the last game, but I don't trust the running game. And I feel like Cleveland has the better running back committee and I, I feel like this, this is the more interesting game that I actually want to see. Okay. Well, you, you've done a good job in advocating for the Bros versus the Steelers because really and truly of the three games, that is a game that held the least amount of intrigue for me, honestly. <laughs> no, I'm glad that you came on record and said that you advocated for your boy. Baker, I'm, 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 with, I'm with Baker. I'm with Baker. All right, I'm, good. Because, yeah. <laughs> of course, we will be back next week to discuss whatever course, happens yeah. in this game. Hopefully, now, you don't let me know. <laughs> I will hope so for your sake and for the good folks in Cleveland. Now, obviously, because of the, the colors I'm wearing, this is my pick for this week. This is the game that I am... I guess I should say I'm more concerned about than than I probably should be. And the Saints have done no good to my heart over the last three postseasons. Hmm. So, but I come back to them in a second. I just want to touch on the Ravens versus the Titans. This is this game is running backs versus, I guess, a QB and a running back, if you want to put it that way. Because it's Derrick Henry. Yeah, we know there's Ryan Tannehill. He has A.J. Brown. He has Corey Davis. They have John Smith. They have weapons for the passing game. But that game, go, that team goes as far 
as Derrick Henry takes it. And it's going to be interesting to see if this time the Ravens are going to struggle again to contain him and lose in the first knockout game to the Titans because they did it last year. Yeah. But I just wanted to touch on them quickly. No, Bears versus Saints. I am not as confident as probably I should be going into this game. We had the Minneapolis Miracle, which I, Ken Griffith, calls the whiff because if my cornerback did not whiff on that tackle, I would have just wrapped up. Good Stephen old Marcus Diggs. Williams. Good old Marcus Williams. <laughs> we would have won. And that was, that, his, that was his rookie year. That was his rookie yes, year, right? It was his yeah, rookie right. year. There we go. But he has improved. I will not kill him. Yes, that, yes. It was it was a mistake. Mistakes happen. <laughs> then we had the worst pass interference non-call in football history. That if the Rams cornerback had picked off the ball and ran it back, I would have nothing to say. I could have nothing to say. However, when you get there a half second early, I can't believe we're doing this. Yeah, but we have to, I have to make mention of it because when you get there a half second early, I just clean up the receiver. You made no attempt, you made no attempt to play the ball. You never look to see where the ball is coming from. You just run over and just knock the man over. And the rest don't call it. Yes, that was not the play that lost us the game because we kicked <laughs> the field goal to go into overtime and uh-huh. then we lost in overtime. Mm-hmm. However, as I have mentioned to you before, circumstances like that, remember you talked about teams that, you know, when something goes bad for them, like especially when you, you're, you don't expect necessarily to win the game. And then you have an opportunity and something goes bad, then it snowballs. You you find yourself in a spiral and you can't pull out. It's amazing that you make those points for those other teams, but you can't see it when they make the point for the Saints. Anyhow, then last year, we more than likely would have still lost the game, even if the offensive pass interference call would have been made because Rudolph pushed off in the end zone. But having not gotten the DPI, the defensive pass interference a year before, there's no way that we were going to get the offensive pass interference on a little on a little shelf, a little push. So from that perspective, I'm wary now of the Saints heading into the postseason because we would have been much better off if we had secured the point. It would have given Alvin Kamara and the running backs an opportunity to get clear of the COVID list and be available for our first game. They would have given Drew Brees an additional week to rest and get his ribs right. Then we would have been in a much better physical position going into the game. You're actually worried about the Bears coming to the Dome. All right, so I I did a little... Chicago Bears. The Chicago I did, Bears. I did a little bit of a, re- a little bit of research, right? 
just to help illustrate why I'm a little concerned. Just a little. I anticipate we should win the game. And I'll be watching that game in my jersey and rooting for my team. But here's where my call, my cause for pause is. In the first 13 games that the Saints played this season, our defense, it started out a little rocky, especially against the pass, because the guys couldn't stop interfering down the field. But they kind of cleaned that up. Everything started to get better up until week 13. Up until week 13, the rush defense was 73. They were only giving us 73 and a half yards per game. Week 14, sorry, week 15. Week 15? No, sorry, week 14. Week 14, they played against the Eagles and gave up 200 yards on the ground. 200! From week 14 to week 17, they've been giving up 147.25 yards per game. That's twice as many as they were giving up every week before that. The Bears run offense have been going at 144 yards per game since week 12. That coincides with the return of Trubisky, who also can run by himself. In the previous game, when they were starting Nick Foles, we beat them 26-23 on a last second Thomas Morstead field goal. So when I am looking at this and saying, we should let's yeah sorry yes let's on the last field goal so when i'm saying that we should be winning this game the numbers give cause for pause because when i'm watching the game i'm seeing that the rush defense is no longer as stout i'm seeing that we're giving up chunk plays again on the outside and there are issues again with pass interference i'm seeing the things that causes me to buzz. So, yeah, I'm a little concerned. I still expect that we should win. I'm really hoping that, you know, Kamara is okay, first off, and that he tests negative, the twice that he needs to test negative, he and the rest of the running back, so we can have our full offensive complement, with the exception of... Mike Thomas, who is still on injury reserve, he's due to return next week, provided that we win this game. So I'm still a little, I'm I'm still rooting for my team. I still anticipate they should win. I'm just saying it's not a foregone conclusion based on what I've seen over these last four games, because we just went two and two to close the season, and it should have been three and one beating the Eagles. I, I I I don't have much comment. I, I don't have much to say after that. I don't have many comments. Sorry, I, I don't have much to say after that. I I mean, we, we talk off we talk off air. So I I feel like you should be winning this game easily. I'm giving you this game easily, easily. And if you don't win, you know you'll be. So that's all I have to say about that. Okay. No <laughs> I think. That we have we've done some good stuff tonight. Um, this being the first Green Beige pod- podcast, um, we've covered a lot. We've talked a lot, and I think that next week we're gonna have a lot to talk about too, 
because we we have the winners of these six games to look at. You know, we'll be looking ahead now to see what happens when the number one seeds get involved and trying to forecast and project as to what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is the NFL. Things will happen between now and Wednesday when this year. Oh, yeah, definitely. And definitely. things will definitely happen between now and next Monday when we shall reconvene. So to everyone who has given us any of your time, we thank you for spending it with us. You know, like, subscribe, please tell a friend, help this podcast to grow. We want to have fun. We want to have fun with you. So at this point, we say good night to you all. Safe, be safe, stay COVID free, recover if you have it, and let us all reconvene again. <laughs>